Well, it's a very humbling thing, and it's hard to humble a Texan, but it's a very humbling thing to have to rely on other people for uh, support and for prayers and finances, and so we really couldn't do it without you guys and churches like yourself uh, being behind us and supporting for us and for praying for us as we go. And so we are thankful to be here. We're thankful for the hospitality that's been shown to us, the great hotel that we're staying at, and just it's been lovely so far. We had a good time out with Tracy and Debbie last night, really enjoyed that, fellowshipping with them and uh, reuniting with them last night. Um, how many of you know the song, Jesus Loves Me? Raise your hand if you know that song, Jesus Loves Me. I'm not going to sing it. Uh, I tried to sing it one time while I was preaching, and my wife told me never to do that again. So... But I'll read you the lyrics. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong, they are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me, the Bible tells me so. Today I want to think about that last line. The Bible tells me so. We're all thankful that God loves us. And I believe and live as though I am loved by Christ. Because the Bible tells me so. What else does the Bible tell me? Well, one of the most important things that the Bible tells us is that we have been given the responsibility to tell others about Jesus. We have been given that responsibility, and we call that missions. It is our mission to spread the good news of Jesus Christ around the world to every nation, tribe, languages, and people in the world. And this church has supported us for several years now. I know that this is a church, uh, from what I've seen so far, that, uh, that loves missions, is deeply committed to missions, and that has been, of course, such a blessing to us. But it's been said that the degree of a church's commitment to missions is parallel with the degree of a church's commitment to the Bible. How many of you believe that the Bible is the Word of God? Amen. Amen. That is good. I hope you believe that. The question is, are you 100% committed to the Bible as God's instructions for daily living? Your degree of commitment to the Bible is parallel with your degree of commitment to missions. So if you are 100% committed to the Bible, then what should your commitment to missions be? 100%. That even works in Texas math, okay? So we all know that we need to be 100% committed to, to missions, it's, it's what's been commanded to us. Now let me speak to you as individuals. Are you 100% committed to missions? Are you 100% committed to telling people across the street and around the world about Jesus? A lot of times what I see in churches is that you have uh, 20% of the people doing 80% of the work. And you see that even in missions. Man, what would it be like if everybody got involved? What would it be like if 100% of the people got involved in missions? How many more missionaries would you be able to support? How many more people could hear about the gospel? Charles Spurgeon said, every Christian is either a missionary or an imposter. In other words, we're either sharing the love of Christ with people or we're really not doing what the Bible has told us to do. You see, a strong passion for the Bible will result in a strong passion for missions. Why? Because the Bible tells us so. Unfortunately, there's a natural tendency for us to become indifferent. We have a tendency to become uncaring and disinterested when it comes to telling people about Jesus. When a, a plane crashes in India, for example, carrying hundreds of people, we think, that's sad. But then we carry on 
with our daily lives as if nothing happened. However, when a plane crashes in our area in Illinois and it perhaps is carrying one of our loved ones, then it affects us deeply. It, it, our hearts are broken. And why is that? Those who perished in India, were they not created in the image of God? Did not God love them? Did Jesus not die for them? Will they not spend a Christless eternity in hell? Oftentimes we're indifferent. We are apathetic to those in distant foreign lands. But again, the Bible gives us the responsibility to tell the world about Jesus. Now, the Bible tells us why we should do it. It tells us what we should do and how we should do it. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. First is the why. The why has to do with our mandate for missions. Look in your Bible, if you will, to Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12. I'm going to read the first four verses of Genesis chapter 12. The word of God says in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee, and I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse them that curseth thee, and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him. All right. So the Bible says uh, that he called Abram. This is where we see God's call upon Abraham's life. Abram, who would eventually be known as Abraham, he was told by God to go into a land that was very much foreign to Abraham. You could say that he was the very first missionary in the Bible. God also promised Abraham that through him all of the peoples of the earth would be blessed. Abraham was blessed to be a blessing. We've already heard that beautiful song this morning. May the Lord bless you and keep you. And how many of you have been blessed today? Just by that singing, we were blessed, weren't we? And so God has been a blessing to all of us through Jesus Christ, who is a descendant uh, of Abraham's family tree. Martin Luther said that the promise that in Abraham all the families of the earth shall be blessed should be written in gold letters and should be extolled in the languages of all people for who else has dispensed this blessing among all nations except for the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now notice with me this morning that this was a command, not a suggestion or a request. It's kind of like wearing a mask and I know it's a controversial subject but I've been to some places that they encourage wearing a mask. I've been to some places where they recommend wearing a mask. And then I've been to other places where they command you to wear a mask. And there's a difference there, isn't there? There's a difference. God commanded Abraham to go. He didn't encourage Abraham to go. He didn't suggest that he go, but he commanded him to go. And the same goes for the great commission that is found in Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 through 20. Now, I know what some of you may be thinking. Please, not another missions message on the Great Commission. Been there, done there, had the t-shirt. But David Platt, in his book, Follow Me, he put it this way. Tragically, the Great Commission represents one of the best known and most ignored passages in the Bible. 
In other words, if you've been in church long enough, you've heard the Great Commission. In fact, you can probably quote it. Uh, The question is, are you obeying it? Are you putting it into practice in your daily life? Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Just like Abraham was told by God to go, Jesus tells us to go. Now, is that a suggestion, a request, or a command? It's a command. We are commanded to go, and as we go, we're to tell people about Jesus. There's a Latin phrase, and I'm not a Latin student by any degree, but it is called missio dei. Missio dei. It simply means the mission of God. The directional thrust of the mission of God has always been to go. And if you think of it in terms of the Trinity, God the Father sent the Son, the Son sent the Spirit, the Spirit sends us out into the world. The Bible tells us to go. It doesn't tell us to sit and wait on other people to come to us. Now, we advertise on our church Facebook and on our church signs, uh, come join us, please come visit us, come celebrate with us, and we do that all the time, and there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it because we do it ourselves. But the mission of God still commands us to go. Go to your schools and tell people about Jesus. Go to your place of work. Go to your neighbors. Go into your communities, your cities, to the foreign lands and share with people the good news of Jesus Christ to the glory of God. In Sunday school, we talked about suffering and we talked about how we don't need to waste our suffering. Because let me tell you, there are people, and sometimes our brother said we feel alone when we suffer, but there are other people out there who are suffering with some of the same things that you're going through, and they're hurting, they're broken, and we can help them uh, to find true hope and joy in Jesus Christ. And we do it because the Bible tells us so. Jesus said in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, But ye shall receive power. After that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. So the mission of God requires us to tell people about Jesus. One preacher said, What was to fill the gap between Jesus' first and second coming? We all uh, believe that Jesus is coming back again. Amen. And we all believe that we're one day closer to his return than we were yesterday. But what was to fill the gap between his first and second coming? The worldwide mission of the church. The worldwide mission of God. Listen, church, if we are not committed to missions, then we are living contrary, either through ignorance or through disobedience to what God has commanded us to do. Echoing what David Platt said again, the Great Commission represents one of the best known and most ignored passages in the Bible. What do we do when uh, you tell your children to do something and they don't do it? You tell them again and again and again until it gets done. We know that we have been given the responsibility to go and tell people about Jesus. But for whatever reason, we don't do it. Now, it's been said that most Christians today are not willing to share what they believe about Jesus with anyone. In fact, many hardly, if ever, have told someone about Jesus. And even for people who have told someone about Jesus, they're not actively 
leading people to follow Christ. Now, I'm a sports fanatic as that would probably rival how big of a sports fanatic your pastor is. I know he's a Kentucky Wildcat fan. He has a guitar. That's a Kentucky Wildcat guitar. Uh, I didn't know that was possible to have that, but he has it. And, you know, if you are like me, then you have no problem telling people about your favorite team and what your favorite team has won and what your favorite team has done for you. Now, if you're a Cowboys fan like me, you have to go back a long way to remember what your team uh, did. And there's a lot of Cowboys fans today that don't even remember what has happened in the past with the Cowboys. But even the very best of sports teams has done a, hasn't done a fraction for you of what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for you. We talk about sacrifice this morning. Uh, he, he left the comforts of heaven. He suffered and died on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins. He was raised from the dead. He ascended to heaven. And he daily intercedes for us today. As a missionary, I understand that giving our lives to Jesus is never easy. But it is always worth it. God is worthy of our surrender. He is worthy of our total uh, submission and complete obedience. The question is, are you totally submitted and in complete obedience to God's will for your life to go and to the Great Commission to go? If not, say today, God, I will obey your will for my life. I will do what you'd have me to do. I will go where you'd have me to go. I will tell that person that you put on my heart to tell about Jesus. I will swallow my pride and I will talk to them about the Lord. God wants to use you right now, right where you're at. So far, we've looked at why we go. It's a mandate or a command that we've been given. Now let's look at the what. What should we say when we go? This has to do with the message. In July 1974, there was a manifesto called the Loazan Covenant. It's widely regarded as one of the most influential documents regarding modern evangelism. Paragraph 4 of that covenant states that to evangelize is to spread the good news that Jesus Christ died for our sins, was raised from the dead according to the scriptures, and that as the reigning Lord, he now offers the forgiveness of sins and the liberating gift of the Spirit to all who repent and believe. That's the message that has been given to us. Make no mistake about it, this message comes from the Bible. We do not have to invent the message. We do not have to reinvent the message, but we are entrusted with it. We are to be um, faithful stewards of it. We are to both guard it and share it simultaneously with others. The Apostle Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 20, to keep that which is committed to thy trust. Avoid the profane and vain babblings and oppositions of science falsely so-called, which some professing have erred concerning the faith. To keep means to guard. Timothy, guard what has been entrusted to you. We don't guard it from others like a basketball player would, would try to guard their opponent from scoring, but we guard it from false doctrine, false teaching, teaching that takes a measure of truth and mixes it with error. And there's a lot of that out there today. Take works-based salvation, for example. Jesus plus something. The Bible tells us that we need to avoid it. We need to stay away from it. Another example of this is the prosperity gospel. You know, if you trust Christ, then you'll have health and wealth, and you'll have all of this other stuff. Just name it and claim it. Well, 
Tell that to our brothers and sisters in Iran who are being killed and imprisoned for their faith. You know, they're not living their best life now. And, you know, Paul told Timothy, we have to distinguish what comes from God and what comes from man. Our message comes from God. It's not man-made. Don't allow your mind to be captivated and consumed with things that come from man. Why? These people have not only departed from the faith themselves, but they have caused other people to depart from the faith as well. Church, there is only one faith. There is only one gospel, which all the apostles agreed. The apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he wrote these words in Galatians chapter 1. I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. Now what was Paul saying? He was saying that there are those who distort the gospel of Christ. We, we see this happening today and, and people are jumping ship at an alarming rate in pursuit of these false teachings. Paul said if anyone, including himself, preaches a different message, a message other than the one that God has entrusted to us, the gospel of grace, let a curse fall upon him. These are strong words and this is serious business and Paul took it seriously and we need to take it seriously. We are called into the grace of of Christ we were taught salvation by grace through faith we were told that it's not something that can be earned or deserved or bought on the contrary salvation can only be received as a free gift of God on our basis of simply trusting what Jesus Christ has already done for us on the cross some people have what one preacher called a legal relationship with God they try to follow all the rules and all the regulations but the problem is they live in constant shame and guilt. Instead of having a legal relationship with God, God calls us into a loving relationship with him. That's what the gospel of grace calls us into. That is a relationship whereby we do what God wants us to do, not because we have to in order to be saved, but because we want to. We want to please the Christ who loves us and died for us. Husbands, let me ask you a question this morning. When your wife asks you to take out the trash or the rubbish, as we call it, in Wales, uh, do you do it because you're afraid if you don't, she's going to kill you? Well, maybe if you've ever met my wife. No, I'm just kidding. You do it because you love your wife. And the same is true as Christians. We go and tell people about Jesus. We do what God wants us to do, or we try to do what God wants us to do because we love him and we want to worship and serve him because he first loved us this loving relationship with god is far superior to that legal relationship unfortunately there are those today and there were those in paul's day who twist and pervert the gospel of grace if the basis of your hope and eternal salvation is in anything other than or in addition to your faith in christ then you are trusting in a false gospel ephesians 2 8 9 says for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves it is the gift of god not of works lest any man should boast why do we have so many people today that have such a hard time getting their minds wrapped around the good news of jesus i believe it has something to do because you know 
we like to do things ourselves. We like to do things our own way. We like to be in control. We like to have a checklist. I did that, I did that, I did that, and I'm good. And I didn't need anybody's help to do it. How many, how many of you remember the Huggies commercials from the early 90s? I'm talking about uh, 1990s, not 1890s, brother. Okay, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but if you remember that commercial, it says, um, and, and I'm a big kid now. Look what I can do. I can wear big kids' pants too. And I can pull them off and on. Mommy, wow, I'm a big kid now. And if you have uh, kids of your own, you can relate to that because kids like to be independent. Look what I can do. I don't need my parents' help. We were at the swimming pool the other day and uh, there's a little uh, kid and they're running around the, end of the, uh, around the side of the pool and they wanted to jump in the pool the mom was standing like this. Okay, jump in, I'll catch you. This little kid couldn't swim. But the little kid was trying to run away and jump into an area where the mom wasn't because the little kid wanted to do it all by itself. And so we can relate to that. I don't need my parents' help. And that's the way a lot of us treat God. God, look what I've done. I don't need my Heavenly Father's help. I can do it all on my own. But that's not the way salvation works. We are saved by grace through faith. It's been well said that, that Jesus plus nothing equals everything. And so that is the what. That is the what we are to say. The gospel message that we are to proclaim. That Jesus died for our sins. He was raised from the dead. He offers forgiveness and freedom to those who will repent and believe. The last point today, and it's real quickly, just covers the how. How. We know why we should tell people about Jesus, for the Bible tells us so. We know what we should say. Uh, we need to tell people about salvation through Christ alone. But how? How do we do it? Well, this has to do with the model, the model of missions. It's important to understand today that the Bible does not simply contain the gospel, but the Bible is the gospel. Galatians chapter 3, verse 8 tells us that the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the heathen, through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all nations be blessed. Now that's an interesting verse because what does the Bible say preached the gospel unto Abraham? The scripture. Now wait a minute, how is that possible? Jesus hadn't died on the cross yet. Jesus hadn't been raised from the dead yet. He hadn't even ascended into heaven yet. So how is it possible that the scriptures preached the gospel unto Abraham? Well, go back to verse 6. Even as Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. How was Abraham saved? He was saved by faith. He believed God. And God said to Abraham, all the nations will be blessed through you, through your descendants. Abraham didn't have any descendants at that time. Specifically, we know that it was talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. But Abraham had faith and he took God at his word. God used the scriptures to evangelize Abraham. Guess what? God today still uses his word to reach people for Christ. We have a family in our church. You saw them on a video. Uh, they came to Wales from Iran. They used to be Muslims. The husband became unsatisfied with Islam, and so he turned to a friend for help. That friend pointed him to a place. It was an underground church, and that place gave him scriptures. Not a whole Bible, because it would have been unsafe for him to have that on him. They gave him just pages of the scriptures. And the husband read the scriptures, and he put his faith and trust in Jesus Christ. 
And as a result, his life changed drastically, and his wife, who was still a Muslim, began wondering, what is this change that's happened in your life? She noticed the changes, and she kept asking about it. He was told, only tell who you can trust about this. So he's like, no, there hasn't been any changes in my life. And she just kept nagging and nagging, and finally he said, you go to this place. And so she went to the place. She received the scriptures. She took the scriptures back home. She began to read it. And she too was saved, put her faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And what made a difference in their lives? Was it a sermon? Was it a a well-worded speech? No, it was the scriptures. The scriptures preached the gospel. And God uses the scriptures to convert people to Christ. Perhaps you're thinking this morning, I'm not a great speaker. I have a lisp. I have a stutter. I'm shy. You can still share with people the word of God. And that's what the Bible is, the word of God. Men spoke from God and God spoke through men. Think about Jesus. Jesus, the word became flesh. The divine was communicated from the human. And Jesus is the word of God and he Uh, speaks to us and shows us who God is and what God is like and we see God through Jesus we know Jesus is God but we think about Jesus Jesus he was able to identify with us as sinners but he did not he did not become a sinner he kept his own identity as a sinless savior and for example I know that there are former drug addicts who now minister to drug addicts and praise the Lord for it but you don't have to become a drug addict to minister to drug addicts Um, we can identify with people without losing our own identity what do we have to do we have to share with them the scriptures share with them the good news of Jesus Christ when Moses was told to speak before Pharaoh Moses made excuses for himself what if they don't believe me I'm not an eloquent speaker my mouth and my tongue don't work very well together and many of us can relate to that but notice how God responded to Moses in Exodus chapter 4 verse 12 now therefore go there's that word again go the thrust of the mission of God go and I will be with thy mouth and teach thee what thou shalt say in other words Moses you go and I'll help you isn't that what Jesus said in the great commission go and lo I am with you always I will give you the authority I will give you the power the task is great our human resources are limited our foe Satan is formidable but we can go with the Lord's presence and the Lord's power as strong as the devil is our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is stronger still how can we enter into Christ's victory and overcome Satan's power today Martin Luther said one little word will knock him down there is power in the word of God there is power in the name of Jesus as we sang about this morning and there is power in the preaching and the sharing of the scriptures let me encourage you study the word of God listen to its commands obey its directions and trust its power as a veteran missionary we may sometimes wonder why do we go why do we put our family through this why do we do what we do as a pastor you may wonder why do I preach Sunday school teacher you may wonder why do I teach as a congregation you may wonder why do I give to missions why do we support missionaries the answer to all of those questions is found right here in the Bible 
The Bible gives us the mandate. It gives us the message and the model for reaching people with the good news of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He was born a king. He died a king. He was resurrected a king. And one day, he's coming back as king. Until then, we need to be about our Father's business. We need to be about the mission. Go ye therefore, teach all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who taught us the true meaning of sacrifice and suffering. And Lord, we count it an honor today, Lord, to be called to share his good news and his message of salvation through Jesus Christ alone. We count it an honor to be able to, even in just a small amount, to be able to suffer as Christ suffered and to be able to rejoice in that suffering, knowing that it's to the glory of God. And Lord, I pray that you would use us, Lord, as unspectacular as we all are, that you would use us in our weaknesses and our individualism. Lord, that you'd use us to share our testimony and what you have done in our own life, that we might share that with others. And Lord, that our testimony might point to Christ. Lord, not that we would be honored, not that we would be lifted up, but that Christ would be lifted up. And as the Bible says, as he is lifted up, he will draw all men to himself. And we thank you for that. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.